May 8th, 2022. Let's continue in Nefesh HaChayim and Sha'ar Dalid. We're up to Sha'ar Dalid, Perik Lamid Gimal. Here in the blue books, and the Nefesh HaSimtum book, it's on page 801. There's at the bottom here, a few lines from the bottom, the beginning of the Perik, Vilazot, and therefore. Now, if you recall what, in the entirety of Sha'ar Dalid of Nefesh HaChayim, He's been describing to us, of course, is the importance and the centrality, foundational aspect of Talmud Torah in the lives of the human beings of this world, of existence, and certainly of Am Yisrael. So, Velazot, and therefore, is really following the entirety of this Sha'ar, of this gate, all 32 chapters until now. But specifically, the last two, perhaps, and that's in the last two, he described how the way to overcome the urges, the inclinations, which pose challenges to each of us is through Torah. That's what he described even at the last lines of the last chapter. If you look up, If you think that you're going to overcome those constant challenges of this world without Torah, well, then you're mistaken. And for that reason, for that reason, page 801 in here. No, not Gemara this morning. As is for that reason that we have a azhara nora'ah, we have a dire warning in the Torah of lo yamush sefer ha-Torah the Torah needs to be specifically and constantly on your tongue. This is the sivui to Yehoshua at the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua. Ve'agita bo yomam balayla. That word ve'agita is a little difficult to translate because generally speaking, we assume it means to think. Ve'agita, we assume, means to think. It's far from simple because, as I've mentioned more than one occasion, Shohan Aruch writes in Siman Mem Zayin, quoting from Sefer Ha'agur, that the halacha is you don't make birkot Torah if you're just thinking words of Torah. So therefore, for example, if you haven't yet said birkot Torah and you're in the car on the way to a synagogue or you're uh, waking up in the morning and your alarm goes off with some Hebrew music with a pasuk, I don't know, whatever circumstance you might find yourself in, are you allowed to listen to the music? Are you allowed to listen to the class? The halacha, according to Shohan Aruch, is absolutely yes, because it's only when you speak words of Torah, says Shohan Aruch, that it constitutes quote-unquote Torah that is liable or is necessary to say the Beracha beforehand. Of course, Gaon Mivilna asks on Shohan Aruch, what are you talking about? Torah, the primary pasuk that we generally and always quote, is Ve'agita bo yoman balayla. Isn't that a reference to thought? Therefore, says Gaon Mivilna, even thoughts of Torah necessitate the Beracha. Well, that being the case, it's an interesting thing. This pasuk, Ve'agita bo yoman balayla. How would someone like Shohan Aruch, Sefer Ha'agur, interpret that pasuk? And I've mentioned on more than one occasion, it's in uh, the first Mizmor of uh, Tehillim, it says, the uh, Ashrei Ha'ish, Pasuk over there explicitly states that there's speech of Torah, and then it says, It's eluding uh, me the, so what's the Mizmor? How does the Pasuk go? No, but in there, it mentions speech of Torah, it's okay. And then the reference to which if, if paid careful enough attention to it, means that speech in some way articulates and brings forth Torah in its quote-unquote most actualized sense. Regardless, says Nefesh HaHayim over here, says that's the pasuk and that's the warning that we have to have constant involvement to Torah. Sorry, the question was, was more of a Versus thinking. Yes. 
What's his question on the Shulchan? It's not talking about Dana. Talking... Nothing to do with it. The question is if the Pasuk says Vehagita, and that's describing Talmud Torah, it means that when I'm going to qualify what Torah is, it's going to be thoughts of Torah. How can you argue that you don't make a beracha in Torah if it's just thought? Nothing to do with our nefesh achayim. Just in shochan aluch and gaon mevilna. That's the question, Ram. Does it mean thought or does it mean articulation and iteration in words? That's the question. Shochan aluch is not talking to gaon mevilna. He lives 150 years before it. That's what we're trying to argue. That's what we were suggesting that the reference specifically is to speech. Anyway, he continues back to Matah Zohar. It says, Tahazeh, as we've mentioned on so many occasions. Zohar, unlike Gemara, starts off statements with Tahazeh, come and see. Gemara says, Tashema, come and listen. Zohar is all about the radiance, about the sight. That's the eyes, the words of the Mekubalim. They're always about vision. Separate Musar in and of itself. Kama hu helata kifade oraita kama hu ila'a al-kola. Look at the utmost and elevated status and stature of Torah. Because of this importance of Torah, because of this absolute necessity, there needs to be a ishtadela and endeavoring within Torah, both day and night. And you have to hold on to it and not... Uh, take your mind off of it. That's the constancy of Agita Boyoman Balaila Perash Mine. And if a person does turn away or he separates himself from Torah, it's as if they separated themselves from the tree of life. Of course, that's a reference to it's Hayim. That's the words of the Midrash, which Nefesh HaChayim has cited, which we've cited on more than one occasion, which Harambam cites in his Ilchot Teshubah. Torah is likened to Etah So the reference over here in Zohar is not surprising. And the description, it's very straightforward and easy to understand of Nefesh HaChayim is a constant involvement. We'll have to define what that means of Torah. Is the way in which you will successfully overcome the challenges of this world. He'll continue with different Midrashim. <laughs> Torah elsewhere is likened to bread and to water, which of course are bare necessities of existence. So to Torah, the same way without bread, without water, you can't exist, you can't live. So too without Torah, of course, he told us in the last chapter a different mashal. He quoted the Gemara with regards to Rabbi Akiva, uh, who likened Torah to uh, a fish in water. If you recall, the question that was challenged, the challenge of Rabbi Akiva was, why are you teaching Torah Barabim at a time when there's mass persecution? It's going to put you in jail. It's going to take your life away from you, which of course it ultimately does. But he responds, that's a ridiculous claim. How could I live? How could we live without Torah? It's like a fish outside of water. Yes? I just Quoting, but correct me, is if a deaf mute or one, he's not obligated in the mitzvot. So it would seem to prove that if you can't speak or hear, thinking alone, you're not even obligated in the mitzvot. 
I'll be back on the first point, huh? Yes, I understand what you're saying, but I am telling you, it's just a debate about how to qualify Torah. It's not going to have bearing on our discussion over here. It is an important conversation. We had that conversation at the end of Sha'ar Aleph, as a matter of fact. All right, it's a longer, important conversation to be had. There are Gemarot, which specifically, we've had it in Nefesh HaHayim classes, which specifically specify and make clear that Torah is best fulfilled through speech. It's what we call the dimension of Ruach. And then there are other Gemarot, which seem to describe it as through this realm of, in the Kabbalistic terminology, Neshama, that being the ideal dimension of Torah. So it's not simple. What I'm telling you is thought in general is a little, since it's intangible and speech already actualizes it a little bit more, it's hard to define it specifically. Harambam and his Torah at no point says explicitly that Torah must be fulfilled through speech. He doesn't, he just talks about Talmud. He just talks about Talmud, which he doesn't define clearly. And again, the claim could and maybe should be made that it's only a conversation about Birkota Torah anyway, not which is why Gaon Mivilna is asking from the Mitzvah Talmud Torah, but the Berachav Torah might be different, might need to be something that's tangible. But anyway, in our purposes, Ve'amar HaKatub, he continues, he says, that's the Pasuk, Etz Hayim Hilama Hazikimba, the Torah is likened to Etz Hayim, to that tree of life, Kisarich Adam Nikbo'a Libelibo, because the person needs to establish in their heart and mind, Vidame B'da'ato Ki Ilu Hayat Tovea Benachah person is drowning and is being pulled under by a, 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 a strong stream and river and they see some sort of overhang or a tree which they can hold on to of course with all their energy they'll swim toward it hold on to without letting go. Who, which sort of silly person would think that they don't need to hold on to and be steadfast in grasping it with all their strength. Of course they need to do so. If they don't, of course they're going to drown. So to Torah nikret etz ha-hayim or etz hayim ilana de-hayesh oto ha-et adam ahuz be-ahavata We'll, we'll come back to that word with its love. But says Nefesh HaChayim, it says, as you're holding on to Torah, how could you imagine that you would let go to it? As you're holding on to it, as he's described to us, to 32 plus chapters, Torah is the essence of existence. Torah is the way in which I'm going to uh, direct myself accordingly. It'll be the prism, the perspective through which I see life. The way in which we, so to speak, are davik in Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Torah teaches us to cleave to God. How do we cleave to God? If not, as Harambam makes clear, as Sefer Tanya makes clear, as everyone likes to make clear, the greatest and most applicable way of attaching yourself to another entity and being who is by definition intangible is by connecting through mind. If I can connect to knowledge itself, true knowledge, I'm effectively connecting myself as great as I can to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the Devekut of the Yodea and the Mada Dekutcha Berichu Be'oraita Had. That's the words in turn of Zohar that HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his Torah are one. Vim Hasve Shalom Yazniach Talmudo. 
הוא פורש מקביעות העסק בה לעסוק באבלי העולם והנאותיו, הוא נפסק ונכרת מהחיים העליונים ותובע עצמו במים הזדונים, רחמנא לסלן. He says, if alternatively a person were to separate, let go from the קביעות העסק בה, which are words we're going to as well need to return to, that's the constancy of toiling and involvement in it, and לעסוק בהבלי העולם. to involve themselves in the vanities of existence of this world, then they're effectively letting go from this etzahayim. Let's work backwards with regards to breaking down the message and understanding it at a greater depth. Uh, so first and foremost, he mentions over here this havlei ha'olam. I'm not certain, but I believe he's referring to Harambam in several places in his Mishneh Torah, uses these same words. Havlei ha'olam hevel, of course, is a reference to air, so, so to speak, oxygen. Air, you can see positively, you can see negatively. Of course, the first two uh, 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 children described by the Torah, Cain and Hevel. Cain, ki kaniti ishet Adonai. Hava speaks about him very positively. I've together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu created, crafted this child. Hevel is generally speaking seen as the zift. He's the afterthought. He's just air. He's just hot air, probably the way we would say it today. Havle Olam is very much along the same lines. It's when you get confused and set, a, set off the proper... T- Uh, track, you're unfocused because of Havle Ha'olam, because of the distractions that surround. Harambam Berkim Al Avichot Shofar, Halachadalid, talks about how the Shofar is supposed to awaken us. He says, even though it's a Gezerat HaKatub, nonetheless, it has a Remez boy, and it's to awaken us from a Tardema, from a slumber, from a Shena, from a sleep in which we've been involved, distracted by Havle Ha'olam. Waken yourself from that, awaken yourself from that, and focus instead on truth. That's what the Shofar does Harambam. Likewise, in the context of mezuzah, describes that as a person enters a room, I know today what everyone needs to do is to kiss the mezuzah. Alternatively, says Harambam, look at the mezuzah, understand, let it orient you, let it give you the appropriate focus that is not as an amulet, which is a charm of some sort, which brings good luck, but rather as something that orients you, says Harambam over there as well. It will take your mind, if done effectively, off of Havle Ha'olam to focus on El Ha'emet, on the proper and true direction of life. Yes, Bob? That's what we're getting to. That's what we're getting to. We've spent 32, we spent 32 chapters on it, I will tell you. You're a little bit late to the game. But what I will tell you alternatively is, well, uh, that's, that's one of our next stages. We'll make it our next stage. Next stage is, well, I mean, is this a call and cry only for no one in this room, including myself? Is this description, is this entire chapter, is this entire sha'ar purpose? We've discussed this on more than one occasion. You know the answer is a resounding no. But is this entire sha'ar purposed only for a person who's studying in a room or in rooms every single second of the day? Is the description in turn of this and I'm down that stream and I've got those distractions and the only way to overcome the challenges of life is through a constant and consistent involvement in Torah, which means in the most raw and coarse fashion. I have the book open in front of me at all times. I have the AirPods in my ears at all times and I'm listening and attached to Torah in the conscious sense on that level. Well, then a lot of us, if not all of us, are in a lot of trouble. Now, that's not a claim against it. Maybe we need to change our lifestyles. Maybe this is a call for a new direction in life. Maybe the only way to overcome the challenges of life, which we're all doomed for, is through 
that study, that immersion in Torah in that most binary fashion when you're with the words and the specifics at all times. So for that, I'll uh, take you to the uh, source sheet in front of you. We'll of course return to Nefesh HaChaim as we finish supplementing and I'll bring you first to the Gemara in Masechem Menachot and Dafsaditet Amudbet. The Gemara is really commenting on the Mishnah, of course, and the Mishnah there is talking about the Lechem HaPanim. Lechem HaPanim, of course, is the bread which was placed in the Mishkan and afterwards in the Mikdash on the Shulchan and the Pasuk says that it's supposed to be Lefanai Tamids, Pasuk at the beginning of Parashat Terumah, Perek Kafe of Shemot. What does it mean Lefanai Tamid? It will be in front of me eternally, constantly, at all times. There are two opinions in the Mishnah. There's the opinion of the Hachamim and there's the dissenting opinion of Rabbi Yosef. Hachamim say that as the bread from one week was removed immediately without missing, maybe it had a nanosecond, but without missing any time, the Kohanim who were standing on the other side would shift in the other bread without skipping a beat. That's Tamid. Constancy means without missing a single second of looking at the bread on that table. Rabbi Yosef says it's not so. Says Rabbi said, one loaf is taken off, and the Biraita here, which is cited on in source number one, goes even further to say one could be taken off in the morning, and then the next one placed on the evening. But wait a second, the Pasuk says, Lechem Tamid the Lechem needs to be Lefanai Tamid. Well, tamid means constantly. How do you explain constant? If there isn't bread on that table in the Mikdash, in the Mishkan at all times, it's not tamid. You told me, contrary to hachamim, it doesn't need to be one is taken off, the other one shifted in immediately. How do you interpret that? Says the Gemara, well, let's see. Tanya, Rabbi Omer. You took off the old bread in the morning. And you put in the next one in the evening, in the nighttime. It's okay. How do you explain that pasuk which says that the bread's supposed to be in front of me, says God at all times? The shohan should not be resting without bread. What do you mean without bread? It is without bread. Didn't you notice over the course of the day there were hours in which there wasn't bread? Gemara doesn't really explain it further. I'm not a be ameh. How do you like that? Says the Gemara, says Rabbi Ameh, commenting on Rabbi Yoseh, to Bobby's point with regards to Torah, he says that Rabbi Yoseh would teach us something similar with regards to Torah. Even if you only studied in the morning and evening, you've fulfilled the Torah is on your mouth, by the way. Oh, that's the Pasuk. Shema Yisrael, I'm sorry, I need to return to the first moments of the class. First moments of the class, I was struggling to come up with the Pasuk, which talks about mouth and Vehagita as one. And I said to you, Gaon mi Vilna says, Vehagita means thought. I said, Shohan Aruch tells you that it means specifically speech. And I said, so it's the Pasuk at the beginning of Tehillim. It's not the Pasuk at the beginning of Tehillim. It's this Pasuk. It's in Yoshua, Perek Alpha, Pasuk Het. Pasuk says, Lo Yamush Sefer HaTorah Hazeh Mi. Picha from your mouth. means that the Achita Boyoman Valayla is very possibly synonymous to Mipicha. Okay, but anyway, for our purposes, that's just a tangent. That's just a footnote to the beginning of the class. But for our part, I saw that first noted in the book on Tehillim, on Psalms by uh, Professor uh, uh, Sarna. Uh, anyway, so, so here it says the Nachum Sarna. So says the Gemara over here, if you're to liken the Lechem, to Talmud Torah, you'll understand that Talmud Torah has a constancy 
Even if it's just one in the morning and one in the evening, we still haven't really defined. How's that so? Imagine the mashal of Nefesh Ahayim again. His mashal is, I'm falling quickly. This stream is pulling me under, and I need to hold on to the tree, the Etz Hayim. I'm not going to hold on to the Etz Hayim. I'll hold on to it in the morning and in the evening, but then I'm going to fall under in the interim. So what is the Torah? How is it that that's constancy of holding on and clutching to Torah in such a fashion? I bring you to the Gemara and Masechet Shabbat and Davkof Lamed Gimal Bet, which again refers to the Biyose and again just finds for us this constancy of sorts. The Gemara is talking about something interesting over there. The Gemara is talking about the Halakha with regards to Shabbat and Milah. And the Gemara says that the Halakha is if you're in the midst of doing the Milah on Shabbat, and you are not fully finished, but you haven't yet been porish. You haven't yet moved the knife and hand away from the milah, which is in operation. So then uh, you continue doing as you would need to do. If you move, remove your hand and knife from the milah situation, so then, according to one opinion, you can only return to finish the milah if it's what's called sitzin ha-me'akevin, if it's to take off sinews and shreds of the milah area, which are absolutely necessary for fulfilling the mitzvah of milah. If alternatively, it's what's called sitzin she'enah, it's that they're going to be cut, but it's not necessary in order to fulfill the mitzvah of berit milah. By cutting them, you can't return. One more time. When it comes to a weekday, of course, you, you, you took your hand back, you're mohel, you go back and you finish it regardless of what the specifics are. When it comes to Shabbat, it's dependent. If it's me'akevin, according to this opinion, if it's absolutely necessary for the milah, you go, you go back even though you removed your hand. If not, so then it's a violation of Shabbat and you can't finish. Says the Gemara, wait a second, who's a opinion will that be following? Because after all, maybe we would argue that the entirety of the Milah is Dohaita Shabbat. Says the Gemara, it's following the opinion of the Hachamim who disagree with Rabbi Yoseh, and I all over the place. Hachamim who disagree with Rabbi Yoseh, that had to do with the bread on the Shohan, in the Mishkan, and the constancy. What does one thing have to do with another? Says Rashi, here's how you understand it. And this is the critical line for the whole class. It goes as follows. If I'm to determine that constancy, tamid, as the Pasuk says, Yoman Valayla is something that must physically and, uh, and, and tangibly and consciously be there at all times. That's the Hachamim's opinion. The only way to define bread which is constant is if there's a loaf of bread on the table at all times. Anything less is not constant. So too, the only way to consider this one long action of the Milah and Shabbat is if my hand and knife is on it at all times. If I remove my hand and knife, no matter what my mindset is, no matter the context and situation, I've lost the opportunity to finish. I've broken the constancy. In turn, by Talmud Torah as well, have you stopped the study on your mouth, in your mind, in the conscious, tangible sense? At any point, you've stopped. It's no longer one action. You've let go of the tree of life. That's the opinion of the Hachamim in stark contrast to the primary opinion of Rabbi Yoseh. And here's where we come to the crux of it all. According to Rabbi Yoseh, here's how it works. Number one, by the bread in the Mishkan. Although the, the table, the Shohan and the Mishkan, lay bare potentially for half or more than half of the day, it was still always filled with bread. What do you mean it's always filled with bread? It's not filled with bread. I came in, I looked at it and there was no bread. Do you understand the situation? 
We're constantly baking the bread. We're putting out the next loaf afterwards. You know, they talk about everyone was in my grandmother's kitchen. Always smelled good of the fresh baked goods. Come on, you were never in her house without that? No, but she was always involved. But you were never there without that? Would you, aren't you embarrassed about it? If you're a real literalist, I'm not embarrassed about such a statement. It always smelled good. It was always there, but she wasn't always involved. But she was. She was talking about it. She was involved in it. That's the context of the lechem. That's lefanai tamid as well. That in turn is the milah. According to Rabbi Yosei, even if you picked up your hand from the milah on Shabbat and it's sitzin she'enan me'akevin milah, you're still involved in the milah. But you're not involved in the milah. You picked up your hand. But what was the mindset of the mohel? What was his involvement? Everyone's gathered around singing songs. Musa's asking the rabbis to give a beracha. This is all the milah, but the milah is finished. The milah he picked up is still a part of the milah. Because the context, because the mindset, because the subconscious circumstances to, that were developed determined this is all the milah. In turn, says Rabbi Yosef, it's the same thing when it comes to Talmud Torah. That's Rabbi Ameh's extension of Rabbi Yosef. When it comes to Torah, you studied a bit in the morning, you studied a bit in the evening. You fulfilled. I spoke Torah all day. Come on, what joke. I was involved in business. I was involved in a conversation about that and this and something else. That wasn't Torah. No, it was some, come on, how are you going to sell that to me? The answer is, if it was properly structured, if the mindset, if the perspective was such that this is a constancy of Torah, although it's not tangible, although it's not visible, although you can't even actually smell it at all times, you could smell it at all times, the same way that kitchen has the great aroma of baking at all times as well. That is in turn the description here. So sure, there's the rushing river, and sure, it appears as if your hands aren't on that it's Hayim, but they are on that it's Hayim. You want me to tell you how I know? Because you structured your day accordingly. Because I know that's what's in the back of your mind at all times, which means to say that although I might not see that it's in your hands at this moment, the second the water seems to take you under, somehow I realize your hand quickly clutched onto what was there all along. Tosafot in Masechet Berachot, for example, and Daf Yod Aleph Amut Bet, asks the following basic question, say, I don't understand, when it comes to many mitzvot, when I fulfill the mitzvah, even though I do it several times in a day, I make a beracha every single time. As a point, as a vantage point, when it comes to, for example, sukkah, sukkah, if I'm to exit the sukkah and come back and eat another meal, I make another beracha of leshev basukkah, assuming you're eating the appropriate things. And every single time, you could do it 10 times a day, you'd be very fast but you'd eat a lot of food, you'd enter into the sukkah, make barachav le'sheh basukkah every single time, says Tosafot, wait a second, again, Siman Memzayin and Shohan Aruch, two places in the Gemara, Masech Berachot, we have something called Berkot Torah. we say them every morning, Asher Kisham Sutavisvan Adivre Torah, Ha'arevna, why don't we make one, all of those berachot every time we open a book of Torah? So I said, because we're always, I'm not always studying Torah. I try my best, but I'm not. I'm in conversations with you. It's not Torah per se. No, it's in the context. It's not Torah. I'm doing business. It's not Torah. How do I explain that? Says Tosafot, Deshane Torah, three lines down here before the end of the line. She'enom ya'ish da'ato. The mind of a person is constantly on Torah. The 
כמו יושב כל היום בלא הפסק. It's a nice מוסר תוספות, you really mean this? They mean this להלכה. They say there's a constancy of involvement in Torah because the halacha when it comes to Torah is different than the halacha when it comes to other matters. When it comes to sukkah, there's no chovah to sit in the sukkah all day. When it comes to Torah, the chovah is all times Torah. So you're involved in other things, that's because you needed to be involved in other things. That means you needed to be involved in other things. You needed to be involved in a livelihood, that's the halacha. But in the back of your mind has to be a subconscious, a latent awareness of Torah. It's as a result, the answer to Rabbeinu Yonah's question on Tosafot over there, Rabbeinu Yonah says, but we have other constant mitzvot. We have tefillin, and we have sisit, and the halacha, when it comes certainly to tefillin, sisit, according to Shulchan Aruch, although the minhag of Svaradim specifically is not like Shulchan Aruch on this when it comes to tzitzit, but certainly when it comes to tefillin, if I'm wearing my tefillin, I take off my tefillin, I use the bathroom, for example, I come back, I make the better but it's constant throughout the day is the Chovav Tefillin. How do you distinguish between Torah and Tefillin? Says Rabbi Salvechik exactly what we've been saying with a beautiful mashal here in source number five. He says there must be two ways of understanding awareness. If you take a look at the second paragraph here on the second side, apparently there are two, two kinds of awareness according to Tosafot. The first is an acute awareness. That's what I'm going to call not acute, but I'm going to call it a conscious, conscious awareness. Clearly this is lacking when one thinks about other matters. You're in business. Your conscious mindset, your uh, acute awareness is not Torah. I wish it was, but nearly impossible to do. That's not an acute. The second is latent awareness. And this awareness is still present even though one is engaged in other matters. That's latent, we'll call that subconscious. When a mother plays with her child, there is an acute awareness of the child. When you sit down and play with your child or grandchild, you are acutely and consciously aware of the child who's in front of you. But even when the mother works at a job or is distracted by some other activity, there's a natural latent awareness of her child's existence. This latent awareness remains throughout her entire lifetime and can never be extinguished. It is expressed in commitment, devotion, and a feeling of identification, a feeling that she and the baby are one. The infant is the center of gravity of the parents' lives. They feel they cannot live without their child, which means to say that Torah, by means of by means of we are told, we're instructed, that although you might not be speaking, coming back to the first point, Rabbi, alternatively, you might not be actually thinking if I were to get into your brain Torah at every moment there's a latent awareness it's there you're instructed for it to be there that's the it's Hayim that it's being described here in Nefesh Hayim. his description in turn as if you paid careful attention to what we called attention to earlier and that was the way that you're Poresh from Torah he didn't mention your Poresh you separated from yourself from Torah and did business he said you separated yourself and you were involved with means the vanities of existence, it means the silliness, it means something that's not conducive to growth. That's where you're separating yourself from Torah. There is a way. You might make the claim that, okay, I'm living a life of Torah. No, it's structured appropriately. And the mindset throughout is one which my activities are in some way applicable to keep that subconscious. He mentioned as well, and he will, and he has in the past as well, this word ahava, this word love of Torah, or commitment and loyalty to Torah and to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why mention that in this context? We're really talking about tamid, timidiyut. 
It's lefanai tamid. It's yomam valayla. It's day and night. Why mention ahava? What does love have to do with any of this? And I would use in this context the words of Harambam in several places in where he in which he defines ahava. And listen to how he defines ahava. But just very briefly, Harambam of course writes his Mishneh Torah, his Yad HaHazaka, which has 14 separate books. So it's an encyclopedic work of halacha. It's 14 separate books. The first is Sefer HaMada. Mada today we refer to science. Mada really means knowledge, mindset or approach, cognitive matters. And indeed, Yesodeh HaTorah is in Mishneh Torah, the fundamentals of faith and understanding. All right, that I understand. In Mishneh Torah, Sefer HaMada, you have Hilchot De'ot. Listen to the word, De'ot, Mada, okay? It deals with matters which somehow relate to the mind. Hilchot Teshubah, Hilchot Talmud Torah, even Hilchot Avodah Zarah. I understand to a certain extent how they all fit under Sefer HaMada. The third of his books is Sefer Zemanim. Sefer Zemanim has to do with times. Shabbat is going to be in there, of course. Yom Tov is going to be in there as well. Uh, the laws of Hametzu Matzah, Shofar is going to be in there, Megillah, Hanukkah. Of course, that all has to do with times. All right, but then there's a whole other portion of halachot, which we know from Ora Hayim and Shohan Aruch, that have to do with tefillin and tzitzit and milah and those sorts of mitzvot. What book do those fall into? They fall into the second book. What are you going to call that book? Harambam refers to that book as Sefer Ahava, the book of love. What does that have to do with love? has to do with mitzvot. Says Harambam is introduction, sometimes overlooked. At the end of his introduction to Mishneh Torah, he says the second book is Sefer Sheni Echlolbo Mitzvot Shehen Tidiriot. Tidiriot or Tidirot, constant. These are the constant mitzvot. Shenitztavinu bahem kedeh le'ehov et hamakom lezokrot hamid. These mitzvot are constant and their purpose is to come to what he calls ahava. Ahava, by definition for Harambam, is about constancy. Constancy in terms of performance, constancy, we're continuing in terms of consciousness or subconsciousness and awareness of such. Harambam begins, and this is little known as well, each one of his books as you wouldn't imagine if Harambam, you'd imagine Harambam, this rationalist, doesn't have a poetic side to him. He begins every single one of his books with Pesukim. The book of Sefer Ahava begins with Beshem Adonai Elolam, lesson to the next Pasuk, Ma'ahavti Toratecha Kol Hayom Isihati. What's the Ahavav Torah? It's the fact that it's Kolayom all day, sihati, it's what I'm interested in talking about. It means that a constancy is, dis, is the discer, defining attribute and description of what it means to have ahava and harambam, of course, at the end of Hilchot Teshubah, when he describes the mitzvah of ahavat Hashem, we speak about it more than once every day. How do you define ahava? Ahava is a very difficult word to wrap our heads around. In Perek Yod, Halacha Gimal of Hilchot Teshubah, says harambam. How is it when you finish this book of, of, of Hamada and you're making your way? It's an amazing thing. How he, I mean, it's just a perf, perfect author, almost perfect. He goes from Sefer Hamada and he segues from Sefer Hamada into Sefer Ahava. So he concludes Hilchot Teshubah, which began in the mind, with. Ahava, which in turn leads me into Sefer Ahava. How does it end? Hetzad hiya Ahava hareuya. How do you get to the appropriate Ahava? Who? Sheyehav et Hashem. Ahava gedola yetera aza meod ad shetenafsho kishura be Ahava Hashem. Vinimsa shogeba tamid. 
He says, Ahavat Hashem is a constant thought on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Again, even if it's not what we're calling acute awareness, consciousness, it's subconscious. It's there at all times. He says it's a constant thought. It's a constant awareness. He'll conclude, of course, with Shir HaShirim. Don't worry about it. He's getting there. But more than anything, Bobby's circling back to the question. Nefesh Ha'im is telling us it's a constancy of Torah, which is the only safeguard to existence. It's drowning. It's utter destruction and demise. If you don't have that constancy in Torah, does it leave those of us who are not in a kolel, but even those who are in the kolel, uh, out to, to rot? Are we therefore doomed to failure in a life of spirituality? I would tell you that Nefesh HaHayim purposefully is describing Torah in this context, not so much broadly, but with a certain depth. It means it's not only that acute awareness of Torah, it's the latent awareness as well. It's the Ahava dimension of Torah. It doesn't mean that I'm literally speaking about the person, woman I love at all times, but it means somehow everything triggers her in my mind, in the sub Conscious. Why is Harambam quoting that pasuk? Because of those two words, bechol. It's with all, it's with every fiber of your existence, which means to say not per se in the tangible, coarse, and physical sense is it there at all times, but it's there because it's part and parcel of who you are. That's the pasuk in Shir Hashirim. I am. Um, I am uh, ill and sick with this love. To be ill and sick of love means it's just there at all times, not per se in the coarse, binary respect of I have a halacha on my tongue at every moment, but I'm living that. It's what's with me. Says Harambam famously, that's what the entirety of Shira Shirim is really all about. To conclude the words of Nefesh Ahayim with regards to this Torah being bottom of the page here on page 803. Am Yisrael are, are zakai. They have merited because we've been given the true Torah in order to endeavor within studying and living and having it in our subconscious at all times, morning and evening again. Rabbi Yosef told us that's the definition of tamid. Tamid need not be that the bread is on the table at all times. But I walked in and there was no bread. But the bread was coming and everybody in the Mishkan knew the bread was coming. Nobody said there was a day in which there wasn't the bread, even though there were moments when it appeared as if there wasn't. A person who's involved in Torah has that herut, has that freedom from all. Somehow they avoid death death in the spiritual sense, death in the sense of a direction through life in which I'm truly living life. Important words, a person who's involved in Torah. It's not just the words that I'm speaking, it's not just the words that I'm thinking. I'm I become unified, back to the words of Nefesh Ahayim earlier. It's the dibuk in it's the ability to cleave and become one if I'm truly one with my child, if I'm truly one with Torah, if I'm truly one with my spouse or anyone in our, 
Mother's Day with my mother. If I'm truly one with another, and specifically for us with Torah, it means that even if it's not what I'm holding on to in the physical sense at all times, the ability to be involved with it means structuring accordingly. That's what the Gemara says afterwards. You should know the Gemara says even a Biohanan statement there in Masechet Menachon and Dafsaditet is even if a person just says Kiryat Shema in the morning and evening, he's fulfilled this mitzvah as well. Then the Gemara is a Mahlok. It should we tell the simple people or not? None of you are simple people, so I've avoided that issue. But the Gemara is uncertain. Either on the one hand, I made a dangerous statement. I'll explain to you why. If I told you that's all you need, so the person says, I did the Kiryat Shema in the morning, Kiryat Shema in the evening. It's the person who opened the Sidur, just uttered the words of Tzifilah. Chalas, now I'm Zochel Alam Haba, right, Rabbi? No, what went through your mind? What was your mindset? If it didn't affect anything, you just messed the whole thing up. So sometimes when you give the instructions and directions, without the context, you lost something. Alternatively, it's the greatest thing you could teach to Amehar, it says the Gemara. You've now provided them structure. You've now given them the context if you did it appropriately. The point of Nefesh Hayim, the point of all, as I understand it, with regards to relationships and certainly to ours with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Torah is the context within which we develop that relationship. It's a Ve'achit Abo Yomam Valayla and Yomam Valayla are critical. It's not throughout at every moment in acute awareness, although we might strive for that, we should strive for that. It's that latent awareness. It's not the playing with your child at all times. It's hearing their cry even when you're in blocks and, 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 and cities away. It's being able to tap into a memory in that moment of a person you love because something triggered it. Well, that's the opportunity to be holding on to that Etzah Hayim, which as Nefesh Hayim tells us, which Zohar, which the Torah itself makes clear to us, it is the antidote to that mavet of the challenges and obstacles of existence. It's the way and passage which we're setting our lives upon. It's the Derech Etzah Hayim. It's the opportunity to tap into truth any and every time we truly comprehend its messages and lessons. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen. Amen.